This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by one of our favorite guests, a repeat guest, we're with Gabe Orthos. Gabe is the Senior Director today of Data Analytics at Tele, Telehealth, Inc., and he'll tell me the exact title of the company, so I don't hit that wrong. But Gabe, tell us, take a moment, tell us what you're doing today. I'm going to ask you what you're most focused on, excited about, uh, also about priorities and advice for leaders, and a little bit more. Gabe, can you take a moment, introduce yourself, and, and tell us about what you're doing today and, and about telehealth? Absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite podcasts. I tell my students all the time. It's required reading uh, to go to your podcast. Uh, so it, this is something that uh, is very near and dear to my heart. My name is Gabe Orthos. I'm a senior director of healthcare analytics at Telehealth Solutions. Um, yeah, so it's it's been it's been a ride, right? A roller coaster ride for the past year and a half. Uh, the last time that I was on your show, it was at the beginning of 2020. We didn't even know that that the pandemic was going to hit us this bad. I mean, we probably knew back in February of 2020 of you know the implications of a COVID um, pandemic, but we did not know what was going to happen at that time. So you know, fast forward to today, a year and a half later, uh, and here we are surviving it. So thank you for having me on the show. What a pleasure. So talk about that. The last time we talked on the podcast was literally right pre, very early pandemic, before it blew up. There are some moments today where it's blowing up again in Austria and in Europe and U.S. case counts back to 100,000. There are moments today where I feel like, oh, my goodness, because this could be getting bad again. We're down to 42,000 hospitalizations right now, down from 100,000 a month or two ago. What have you learned over the last year to 18 months is, is – um, you know, through this pandemic, wow. uh, you, yeah. you've switched leadership jobs. You're now leading up part of an effort at a telehealth company. Tell, give us a little bit about what you've learned over the last, you know, 18 months or so, a couple of lessons. You know, it, it was interesting because if you would have asked me back then, Scott, um, it, you know, where's population health management, where's telemedicine, where's RCM program, where's all these payment models kind of going, I would have been like, you know, eh, I don't know, they're, they're probably going to continue uh, trying to change the industry, but we're not going to see uh, major, you know, catalyst changes uh, through those different programs that we were seeing um, in those different modalities that I just mentioned. Um, fast forward to today, and you know, every hospital system needed to understand their population health management strategy, right? Uh, every single uh, FQHC needed to understand their sick patients, their risk, uh, et cetera. Um, obviously, fee for service when <laughs> downstream when it came to uh, practitioners and providers uh, in the community. And so uh, fee-for-service uh, rates uh, were kind of stalled for at the beginning there. Um, and so everybody was thinking about, you know, at-risk contracts and everybody was thinking, how do we optimize that? Obviously, telemedicine became a big thing. The gates opened up from the government perspective, right? So now, now we have uh, the ability to use Zoom, uh, even though Zoom was not really a, a HIPAA-compliant um, application to be able to uh, see patients. But at that point, it didn't matter because, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic. So a lot of the rules and a lot of the things really changed um, in that capacity of, you know, a year and a half ago when you would have asked me, uh, Gabe, what do you think is going to happen? I would have been very kind of like, eh, whatever, you know. Um, but look at look at where we are today, right, with the explosion, uh, RCM, um, you know, uh, remote patient monitoring, uh, everything around, you know, compliance, regulatory, new CARES Act. I mean, all these things are just uh, exploding right now in the industry. It's so funny you say that. I was invited to a panel, to speak on a panel. This would have been February 2020 
for the Publicity Club of Chicago. And I was on there with three other journalists, people in the media world and so forth. And not to call myself a journalist, it's not really a fair statement, but uh, you know, it's not fair to our journalists to call me a journalist, but from the media world. And, and one of the questions asked by the moderator was, how much time will COVID take up of the media's efforts over the next six, eight, you know, six, 12, 18 months? And, and of course, I was, this was February 2020, and, and I was the lone panelist to say, I don't think it's going to take up that much time. I think it's going to pass. And of course, I ended up being yeah. monumentally wrong. And the other three panelists ended up being quite right in predicting that would take up more and more of the, of the <laughs> media space. But what yeah. a fascinating period of time. Talk it is, now. isn't it? Yes. Now we're at the end of 2021, moving into 22. What are you most excited and focused on currently? What are you, where are you most focused and excited? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, during this this period of, of really self-reflection uh, where we had to work from home, you know, I think we've all gone through uh, a little bit of a transformation uh, just in our personal lives and our professional lives, obviously, that we're now working from home. Uh, one of the things that happened to me is I, I grew a, a mustache like Salvador Dali uh, just because I could. And I'm growing my hair to donate it to lots of love. So, you know, it's just things like that that, you know, before you wouldn't do, um, you actually got a chance to do it because you were kind of stuck uh, with your dog at the house. Um, but we did get a COVID dog, by the way. His is a Frostin. Um, I also got into the telemedicine industry, and I think that, yeah. <laughs> what kind of dog? What kind of dog? It's a, yeah, it's a Frenchie uh, with a Boston mix. So they call him a Frostin. So he, he gotcha. yells like a, uh, like a Frenchie, and he's big as a Boston. Hilarious and fantastic. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And so tell us so where I'm excited. The most important subject, but tell us about the telehealth business too. Yeah, the, the telehealth business is interesting, right? Because um, I, I joined this organization uh, thinking, you know, it, I've always been a data guy. I've always been an analytics guy. And, and to me, telling the right story to the right people at the right time, I think it's an important factor and that's foundational. Um, in, in the telemedicine space that we are, which is the acute and the post acute market, um, I, I, it's very ingrained in the fee-for-service um, kind of modalities. And obviously with everything that COVID has been going on, you know, now we hear uh, things with CMS uh, kind of putting additional rules on um, hospice and nursing homes um, around surveys and, you know, quality of care and all these kinds of things. We are moving towards a more PDPM model of care uh, for those different modalities. And so for me, I'd like to be in the forefront of those, uh, of those issues um, and really understand and quantify the effectiveness of that care, quantify the quality, quantify the risk, uh, so that the providers feel uh, empowered to really do the things at the right time. This organization is a provider group. It's not necessarily a technology, full technology company. Uh, we do provide technology enablement, but essentially um, it's a provider group that started with the idea of giving uh, nights and weekend support uh, to SNFs, to um, you know, essentially skilled nursery facilities. So that, that was kind of the impetus and the, and, you know, Dr. Sam is our, is our founder here that really started in that modality. Now, obviously telemedicine, video, um, workflows, all these kinds of things and integration back to the EMR, these things have been changing dramatically in the past 10 years. And, but now we're starting to see a much bigger acceleration um, one, because of TEFCA, I, I truly believe that the government putting um, boundaries and standards uh, around HL7 and around integrating back into the EMR uh, has become a little bit easier to do so. Uh, we're not 100% there, but, but, but we're getting. But, but your point on a telehealth company formed by providers first, 
really it's providers versus necessarily first and foremost technology companies. Yeah. Is in some ways so refreshing, isn't it? That it's really providers trying to figure out the best way to provide telehealth care versus a technology company just trying to capitalize off of a huge trend. I mean, I mean that's, yeah. so, that's so gratifying, isn't it? It, it is, and, and the handshake is still a problem. And what I mean by the handshake, right, is the, is the providers that are working on these facilities um, are super shell-shocked. They're overworked, right? I mean, we have a, a, a massive problem with the nurses. I mean, we saw in the news with the traveling nurses that decided to quit uh, during the training uh, at a hospital, right? I mean, these things are very real, and our providers are experiencing uh, high levels of complex issues uh, and stress. Uh, not to say mental health, because to, to some, it, it could potentially be mental health issues. But um, so, yes, absolutely, is giving and elevating those providers, giving them the tools, giving them the clinical integration that they need so that they can feel comfortable leaving the patient, going home, getting their rest, their much needed rest, and having somebody else pick up the triage and the roundings and uh, the things that have to happen so that, um, you know, these, these patients don't continue getting worse and eventually end up in the ER where the highest cost um, of, of the system is. And even worse now, there is no access to ER because the, the ERs at one point were so uh, overwhelmed that a, a lot of the skilled nursing facilities were not sending out. But that's a fascinating perspective too, that with all the staffing shortages out there, telehealth, as opposed to necessarily being a COVID measure, can be a great help in trying to deal with staff shortages and provide some follow to provide some counsel, to provide those kinds of things that can still fill some of this gap you've got with there being tremendous shortages. Yeah, absolutely right. And now we're seeing this, this new hybrid model, what they're calling the telemedicine first, right? Where a lot of health systems, CINs, IDNs, ACOs are starting to think about you know, uh, or even the payer market now is starting to think, you know, we will start the encounter at the, at the house, right? We'll tell you the encounter at the, at the cell phone or at the app level. Um, and depending on that, we'll do the routing uh, and what I call critical path, right? Uh, yes, you should go to the specialist. Uh, no, you should not go to the ER. Uh, you should go to the primary care, et cetera, right? So, so try to do preventative medicine uh, through a telemedicine model going direct to consumer. No, and that's right on. I mean, you just saw United Healthcare came out with their first virtual first program intended to be a new yep. type of health plan or variation where it's virtual first. The idea of, you know, is there some way to save money or to improve preventive care by going virtual first? What a, what a fascinating observation, too, on what you're seeing there. Yeah, absolutely. In in that whole modality, though, I mean, all of our organizations, everything that you cover, um, you know, on your website and, and on your articles, uh, we are seeing a lot of stress uh, because of this new thing that we see. And I think it's post-COVID, a reaction of the tsunami that, that we didn't see coming um, around the mass resignation. And this is happening also in our industry. Uh, obviously, our practitioners uh, are resigning, going somewhere else, or maybe being traveling nurses, et cetera. Uh, we're seeing an up in the uh, in the money that they're getting, right? In the in the salaries that we're getting, which I think is amazing. It's awesome, um, but it, also our technology companies are experiencing a mass resignation. And last time when we spoke, we were talking about the importance of culture and kind of how do you preserve the soul of an organization uh, with this mass resignation? You know, it's it's an additional problem that we have to deal. Not only because we're not present to each other anymore, right? We're not face to face, but also the idea that you know, people have really uh, taken a toll in their lives and, and kind of figure out what they wanted to do and where they wanted to be. 
uh, and if an organization didn't make sense for them two years ago, um, they just kind of stayed with it. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Uh, but then today, you know, you're seeing a lot of movement in the industry uh, with talent and all of that. You know, it's a fascinating amount of resilience in our people that they, they yeah. feel more comfortable going and coming and tra- tra- trying new things and doing it a little bit less risk, particularly with, uh, you know, unemployment so low, people feel like they're safe to try something different. Anyways, yep. Gabriel, Gabe, just a pleasure to visit with you as always. Gabe Orthos, just a pleasure to visit with you. A huge fan of yours, your whole family, your whole group. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Packers Healthcare Podcast. Can't wait to visit with you again. We'll make sure it's sooner than 18 months again. Thank you. That sounds great. Thank you, Scott.